Rewatch podcast. I'm your host, Angela Ensminger, and we have a full house today. This is so great. I am so excited. We are talking about Buds, which is an awesome episode, and I'm just going to get right into it, and we'll introduce everyone who is here. So, Eric, let's start with you. Hi, Eric. Hello. I am Eric Robles. <laughs> And I am a co-creator and executive producer of this amazing, awesome show that we are super proud of. <laughs> yeah, so glad to have you here. And I'll pause very briefly to say, hi, Luke. Hello, hello, sorry, I'm, I'm coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah! In my headphones. <laughs> and you look even better, son of a gun, man, this dude. I know. Yeah. I have I just got my family. hair cut like at the sides today, so I'm like in Gorgeous. the middle of twisting it and stuff. So I've got a few, a few going on at the front. So hopefully this Zoom kind of disguises it. So I advise <laughs> everyone listening to follow Luke Youngblood. You'll get his socials at the end of the show. And you know, if you have a really reasonably uh, high quality printer, you can assemble yourself a calendar uh, very easily. <laughs> it will be one of the best to ever adorn your wall. Let me just tell you, our entire cast is a beautiful people who are. <laughs> amazing to listen to as well <laughs> that's great and, and that guys. voice you just heard was dan so hi dan hi everybody i am i am not uh so calendar worthy but i am so happy to be here and i'm dan milano and i'm the co everything eric robles said he is my show brother and we are proud parents of glitch text awesome glad to have both of you here and also tonight we have phil hello phil oh hi how's everybody doing Hello. Uh, yes, I, I'm the uh, director on this particular episode, Buds. It was a pleasure to work with everyone on this team and to make this spectacular episode. Looking forward to watching it with you all. Awesome. And then we have not one, not two, but we have three of the voice actors here. So Luke, let's start with you. Hi, guys. I'm Luke Youngblood, and I play the infamous Mitch Williams. Um, so I'm just going to leave you with a boosh. <laughs> nice. Didn't have it any other way. So good. And then also we have Zara. Welcome back, Zara. Hi, so happy to be back. I'm Zara Fuzzle, and I'm the voice of Zara. Awesome. And also returning guest, Ricardo. Hi, Ricardo. Hey guys, it's me, Ricardo Mutel, and I'm the voice of High Five. Woo! Woohoo! <laughs> and then last but certainly not least, we have Jules. Welcome back, Jules. Hello, guys. <laughs> hey, Jules. Lord, <laughs> revisionist, artist, man about town. <laughs> He's like the coolest of the bunch. He's like, hey, what's up? Yeah. Sure. So. <laughs> what, what am I gonna say? It's gonna be just. Oh man, I I drew a little bit. There we go. This is all being recorded. <laughs> the episode is buds. Yeah, yeah. So listeners to the show, you guys know how this works. So we will be watching the show, and you can watch along at home. So I'll go into the synopsis, and then you can set your Netflix player. So the synopsis for Buds is. Nico suspects that something is very, very wrong when Mitch suddenly starts acting nice. At a bizarre party, High Five sees that she might be right. So you always have to beware if Luke has an angle. <laughs> Luke got an angle for 100%. Mitch. 100%. I mean, don't we all? Is it just, maybe it's just me. <laughs> He's playing three-dimensional chess, everybody. <laughs> 
So for listeners at home, if you're new to the show, what we do is set your Netflix player to buds and we put it at zero, zero, zero so that you can watch along with us. And then at the count of three, I will hit play. So everyone at home, go ahead and set your Netflix players. So here we go. One, two, three. Dun-dun. Nice. So it's so I... cool because I can hear it's like I'm in surround sound now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... cool. All right. These guys coming in strong. Coming in hot. <laughs> and boosh. Huh? Yes, there I am. <laughs> We had such an insanely strong cast, it became clear that like we had to flesh them out as much as possible, starting with Mitch, who'd been established in several episodes up until this point. But of course, everything is still kind of filtered through Five and Miko's eyes, because they're the new kids, and they and the audience are experiencing the world for the first time. So in this episode, they're nicely put between the senior techs you know, and uh, are learning the ropes. Yeah, it was so hard because like everybody just started becoming super cool, you know, in most series, like you're only focused on your mains, but then in this show, like everybody just kind of like, that character feels like a main, that character feels like a main. So just the the ensemble itself was just like so fun to play with. You guys are too good at writing and designing. I think that's what it, what it is, truly, though, because like every time we would get a new script, it would be like, oh, so what are we doing this week? And then it would just blow our minds at how big and fleshed out the world had become. And it was just so much fun, too. I think everyone had so much detail they wanted to bring, and it was a matter of trying to fit in the ideas that were cropping up during the making of the episodes, and then also ideas coming up between shows that expanded the world that we wanted to cram into the stories. And um, the only reason I think we got away with it is that so many of the ideas are kind of left to you to kind of pick up as we go. There's not a ton of explanation. You just sort of learn about the characters and the rules of the show as they unfold, which is kind of a cool way to, to do it. But yeah, it's insane. It was just so dense. Uh, and that made it difficult. This was a hard episode to write because it was the 10th episode we produced. And I think it was the first time we were hitting a little bit of a wall in terms of just sheer exhaustion from having done 10 in a row and wanting to stop and take a breath and figure the story out. So the writer, Sarah McChesney, had an amazing idea. We worked with her on it. There were several iterations. But it was always about the dynamic between Mitch and Five. <laughs> at the core. Uh, and I'm so sorry I'm talking over that uh, Mitch FTW. Yeah, that was so good. That <laughs> I know. Was so good. All right, hold on. <laughs> Is that was it voice editing or did you actually like make your voice sound I think younger? I just went high cuz I working with Dan and Eric, I don't know if they if they tweaked it a bit, but it was just like, okay guys, like, you know, okay. So let's do it. You just you just do it. They really help you become what you need to be <laughs> for these oh, parts. True. And a lot of the time we're not seeing any visuals um, as we're recording, but you guys were able to really paint the picture very clearly in our heads. 
So yeah, thank you guys so much for that. It's so helpful. I think this was boarded <laughs> by uh, Ben Ben Choi. Is that correct, Phil? Phil, can can Phil? I can't hear Phil. Oh, sorry, I was muted. Yeah. <laughs> ben Choi, the board artist on this sequence. Yeah, this uh, this sequence was Ben, Brianne, and Jules helped uh, do some revisions on this sequence as we were in an animatic for it. So Ben had a lot of this opening action sequence, which was fantastic. He added a lot of flavor with all the little anime touches, as we see uh, throughout. Great shots overall and really dynamic storytelling. I remember talking this out uh, in the room with all you guys about how I wanted, like, you know, I wanted uh, Ricardo to bring this, like, heat to five, you know, when he got super pissed at, at Mitch. Yeah. I remember that too. I remember you working me uh, with me on this one and really just trying to get me hyped up and really fired up about how Mitch just totally basically like, you know, did the whole mission by himself. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it was, it's, a, I wanted it to feel real, right? Like in those real confrontations that you have in life, when you have to stand up and you got to like, whether you're going to get beat or not, like you got to stand up for yourself. Right. Yeah. And, and it was so great to see both of you guys interact in that scene together. Well, we needed that yeah. integrity too. Originally, Five was like more a little brother to Mitch who looked up to him despite Mitch's flaws, but that wasn't working because Mitch had been so manipulative in the pilot and, you know, and we needed him to be for that story to work. We had tried to show a little more of Mitch's logic in episodes like Smash Azores, but it got trimmed for time. So we needed to come up with this idea that Five believed in Mitch because he knew him when. He was a fan of his and that the audience could see and the other texts could see that Mitch was once much more social and open. And that's what Five saw in him. But the moment mm. he gave Five reason, Five wouldn't rationalize it or make excuses because that would be very unhealthy, toxic relationship. Instead, he'd stand up to him. So that was yeah. a big, big change. But we had to show the audience that Mitch was really good at what he did. That's why Ben boarded that amazing sequence. You know, it's Mitch is a snake, but he's not a fake. He mm. is hardcore and amazing tech. He talks to talk and he walks the walk. He's objectively the best. It's, you can't, <laughs> yeah. you know. And for artists watching too, and to see how the, the voices and the, and the art uh, the board art works so beautifully together is to know that there's also so much humanity, whether it's Miko kicking her legs, sitting impatiently on the van, or Zara, or Zara as Zara, doing that really just sweet excitement of like wanting to take a picture and kind of, you know, noticing five in a different light. All those things are brought to life by the board artists and the animators in subtle ways that and that's the other job of the episode is just to kind of make you feel you know these kids and that they're they're just like you and friends you know. I feel mm. like so much as the voice actor, I am trusting for the other half of the character to meet me. So when I see it all come together, it's such a cool thing, like how the performance inspires the board artist and how then later when we're recording to picture at a later stage, the art so much influences how we approach it. It's yes mm. it's this beautiful definitely. feedback loop that creates a tandem performance yeah, yeah definitely yeah, the synergy on the show was really amazing it's was unique of all the shows that i've worked on and i've spoken of this before but you guys were so 
great about how curious you were to come and hang out and meet everyone and you yeah. know visit and they uh, wanted to come see you work it was so great as well i'll never forget i remember i had a, a session and i think i was doing some adr which is Zara was talking about where we kind of like get to come in later and, and record some some stuff to picture and I'd finished my session and then Dan went into the booth <laughs> and was doing all of the um like animal sounds <laughs> I was there too I was there too I remember that and I think Eric was directing him and I'm just sat there just watching this genius at work making the most <laughs> outrageous noises and it was it was so cool because it was like a different different take every single time yeah and yeah I'll, I, I will never ever forget that <laughs> I actually got a video of that on my phone <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. so you need to share that I'm gonna I, share it to you. yeah I'm maybe some of you guys did too but I just made so many noises as a kid and I was so fascinated with <laughs> cartoons growing up and then to actually have gotten to work with people who do this and to learn from them was such a privilege. So I'm the poor man's uh, D. Bradley Baker. I learned so much from, <laughs> from D. Baker. I will say it was it was nice that uh, all you all you voice voice peeps came in and gave us a, a nice glimpse of like being part of the crew. It was very yeah. nice. I remember distinctly, I think all three of you that are here, I remember Luke coming at one time being like, oh yeah, I'm sitting in one of the meetings. And we're like, you're just going to sit in the meeting with us? He's like, yeah, I want to figure out what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, I remember Ricardo, You, I think you were walking around with your mom one time when you came in and you saw a couple of us in the game corner and you're like, oh, hey, what's up guys? And he's like, I'm just walking around for recording. And he's like, oh, I'm fine, by the way. And we're like, oh, we can tell. And you're like, oh. That's <laughs> hilarious. I think, Zara, you came up one time and like, uh, I think a bunch of us were intimidated because I think you were the first one to come visit us. Intimidated by me? Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're like, oh my gosh, the voice actors are coming to visit. Uh, what do we do? Yeah. Well, you, I mean, and it's like so rare. I mean, there's so few other shows I work on where I get that kind of access to the artists. It's like the best part of it, honestly. Oh man, that, that, that was truly one of the things that I enjoyed is everybody wanted to be a part of this. And, and truly it was so natural to kind of have you guys play with us and then come play with the crew. And they got like this extra burst of energy once they got to know you guys. So they would include that in their work. So it's just such a great thing to have you guys all together. Yeah, it's natural for us too, because Scott Kramer, who plays Phil, he worked on the next the show next door to us, which was Pinky Malinky, and Sandeep Parikh, who played Hanish, also wrote for the show and didn't see any reason to have those walls up. And you know, also uh, not for nothing, folks out there, but animation. It's amazing and we love it, but not everybody is paid to the scale that they are in other industries. And one of the ways that we can also enrich and reward each other is also just provide experiences and to learn. That's another way we all make it worth each other's time. I know nobody needed that or requested that, but we feel really proud if we can just create multiple ways you can really benefit from the experience. So. 
to have that kind of exposure was also a great chance to like just hang out and learn what each other does because we all love you know this art form bill do you remember how many times we had to do that sandwich scene uh yeah we yeah we did that uh many times we made it as many times it probably took us to make a sandwich um, <laughs> i was just thinking as we're watching this again this entire party sequence was so complex like how we were going to handle the lighting scenarios and the board how we were going to change up the uh, crowds how we're going to handle all these different elements to this huge massive scene and this scene coming up here was a little extra character touch that we added in to the board yeah. in the animatic stage, which was great. Because each, in this episode, what I loved about it is that every character gets a little highlight and we get a little bit more of a view into their personal likes, dislikes, and their, their traits. And, you know, we learn about Birdie's, you know, cosplay. We learn about, you know, the crush on five. We learn about, you know, all these different little aspects that the characters hadn't revealed before in any other episode. So this is like a real fan fan favorite to like, what else can we do? Oh, and I remember yeah. that scene. We did that a couple of times. <laughs> yep. Kept uh, increasing the dance. The, yeah. the yep. relationship, uh, you know, between Zara and Five, this was the spark of that. And it's too bad we don't have, you know, that next drop right now because you know, we have them in that relationship a lot more in that next season. And to mm. see them together was really cool to kind of see the evolution of even just this relationship. Yeah, to see the, to see the, the seeds for the, the budding relationship that would happen later. <laughs> ah, look at that. episode was in the audition sides for Zara. So I already knew where things were going to go. And I'm glad I did because it informed everything else in her previous interactions with Five. That's great. Yeah. Wow, that's cool. I forgot that. Yeah. That how soon when we established it. We've spoken quite a bit with the fan base a little bit about that, you know, we just didn't see Glitch Texas being like a relationship based show, like drama based on relationships. But we're not against relationships of, of any kind. And any permutation we just liked the idea that it was something that kind of was almost happening between the episodes and you were just seeing little peaks of those icebergs because it was just part of what kids go through and and in this case too it was just such a, a, hum, a human touch to Zara who had been like super together and not very vulnerable just to see that you know she could have these feelings but we really discussed it a lot with the writers because what we didn't want to do was be like, oh gosh, one of our characters is, you know, now she's going to be obsessed with this character. And it's like, no, we don't want to do this trope. We've defined this character by so many other things. This is just one sliver of, of who she is. It's not going to take over because, you know, our stories are about missions and friendships and the big picture. It's not really about drama like interpersonal drama yeah, and comedy like this uh this yeah. guy's going on here <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh he's like hey five how's it going <laughs> what are you doing in yeah. unison <laughs> shout out to uh our board artists here like we had in act two we had our microphone uh boarding party sequence introduction and then this is uh all of sheldon bella who boarded the sequence where miko got abducted as well the tentacles mitch's abduction and here we have this great transition that we talked about uh, borrowing from some great anime up ahead 
yeah. Sheldon's Sheldon's boards in the back half. I felt so bad we had to edit some of those because like it played the horror so much more. But they're like, <laughs> yeah, we can't show this on for for uh, at the time we thought on TV. We're like, okay, well, shoot. <laughs> there yeah, some of Nick had us tone it down a little bit. It was getting pretty intense. <laughs> uh, there, there was a time where this was going to air on Nickelodeon and. Megan Casey, our executive in charge, was thinking that this would be like a great Halloween episode. Yeah. Mm. It's one of the only yeah, episodes that's not based on a video game genre, really. You could say survival horror, but it's pretty loose. However, there was a game called Day of the Tentacle that some of us really loved, an old LucasArts PC game, and that was a little bit of it. But it's definitely like a body snatchers yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. I love this scene. I think this was a lot more gory, right, Phil? Like yeah, we had we had to tone this down quite a bit. There was a, a sequence where we just pushed this to the limit, and it was like way too cut too off intense. the tentacle in the door, like no, the door was, closed was, on the tentacle. It was, it was like Nico's, Nico's head. head. Nico's head. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> right. Her head. Those yeah, head like, and the, yeah. you see you see five get splattered with stuff and like an, i think an eyeball hit him or something and it's like okay there we go yeah, <laughs> yeah. oh my goodness you gotta put one of those giant moments in there just so that draws all the attention you know uh this thing coming up oh man this is like five's little saying uh oh m for mature yeah right isn't it right here yeah this is getting a little m for mature up in here <laughs> Now I took that as a gamer, a gamer oh rating God. reference, but of course, a lot of anime fans <laughs> assume there's another meaning behind it. That's not what I intended, but I can completely understand. That oh leap. my goodness, That's it's not a, a huge leap. <laughs> Don't Google it, kids. No. <laughs> we had to do a lot of versions of this speech. All the Mitch speeches. Oh, look at that. Now that that's your voice affecting that performance for sure. Yeah, by the way. That that was Luke's performance that affected the speeches many times. So yep. Mitch is so smooth because of the rhythmic performances that just come so naturally. you it's hard to hate this guy because he is so slick and yet something seems genuine about it. And I think there is a genuine core to him that's real and in a way this episode is kind of about that it's like you yeah. get a glimpse of the guy who's in there yeah we had to find a way right there to like dispose of mitch in a, in a way that wasn't too brutal because i think the original pass was pretty uh gory eviscerate <laughs> him yeah and then we had to find a way of like eliminating the mitch character without you know how long do you guys have though when you see, I guess, like the animatic or, or what stage does it get to before you realize, oh no, we need to, we need to re <laughs> rework this. Big Zara moment there with the, the uh, we, Let's we, rock. We got pretty lucky because, you know, our thumbnail boards, we definitely saw a lot of our mistakes early up front in our thumbnail, mm. right? And so it allowed us to adjust early as opposed to make the mistakes later on, <laughs> you know? So we got on top of stuff pretty early, right, Phil? Yeah, definitely. Like, because we had an ample amount of time to allow the board artists to flesh out the script in thumbnail form, and then we got a really good idea of how the episode was flowing. In the thumbnail stage, we could make adjustments, trim things that were feeling a little too long, 
boost things, but <laughs> since so many of the artists brought such intense humor and funny action, as well as like intense storytelling to their boards in the thumbnail itself, it was like, wow, we've got some really great starting points. And it was just a matter of like finessing a lot. And then when we got to editorial, uh, when the boards made it all the way to our animatic phase, we were then refining uh, for the executive teams, they were seeing it for the first time and then commenting on like things that went a little too far or needed a little bit less or just needed a little bit more clarity. And I think one of the funnest things that we had a chance to do with some of the board artists here is we were recording some of the scratch. So they had Jules and a few other, uh, Phil Jacobson and uh, <laughs> one or two other artists that come in to record scratch for this edit and put it all to a ministry soundtrack what song it was i think it was uh test or breathe or something like that and it was just super super like intense so when we saw it finally in the, in the first screening it was just like hardcore thrash metal like so this moment oh yeah super super intense awesome. um which was great this pay off the moment oh my gosh this came out so good the it's animation so cool. like i mean the colors animation I mean, every aspect of this thing just was so cool to see. And a lot of the massaging is the is just making sure all the geography hooks up. And then allowing, you know, there's so much crammed into this 22 minutes that you also need time for, you know, a moment with Mitch, a moment with, to, and five, to acknowledge that they're working together now. And again, like no lessons are learned. There's not a major arc. In fact, this is the closest to a reset we do because Mitch is kind of back to his old self mm -hmm. but for those who do watch the episodes in order Mitch is different from this point on yeah and the dynamic does change but it's hard to sell all that stuff we do our best to have these little moments that do it for us but then also make make a joke yeah and look at I mean Five is like Ricardo, man. He's just like such a sweet dude, <laughs> like, you know? And it's just like Mitch, of course, going back to his old self. <laughs> that head, that head makes my, all the time, every time we see this, my son laughs so hard at that giant head. <laughs> that was something that like, I, I think we put it in at an editorial at just before the board was like finished cutting and I put it in and I don't remember like, I, I remember feeling like super self-conscious about it. Like, I don't know if we should do this. I don't know if we should do this. It's just like way too beyond the show so far. And we put it in, it got a big reaction. So we're just like, all right, let's yeah. leave it. And I definitely probably was the one to say like, keep it. Cause I love like silly comedy stuff. I mean, you know, I, I think that the last time uh, I was on one of these, we were doing Karate Trainer and I was talking about like all those like funny little moments in Karate Trainer. And I just love seeing those types of moments in the show that just make me laugh. I don't know if it's a personal thing, but it makes me laugh all the time seeing them be goofy. Also in, uh, was it Collection Quest seeing like Five and Bergie? Like that <laughs> dynamic duo was amazing. Like Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was so important, too, because, you know, Nick, Nick ordered a very broad comedy adventure show and we were delivering them something that we were really proud had a little bit more layers and was a little bit more intense. But like we had to make sure to always be faithful to what we originally pitched. And, you know, I mean, Eric created Fanboy and Chump Chump like. They were going out on a limb to do a show with this tone 
and all they asked in return was for us to not forget the comedy. So the more physical the comedy could be, the more, you know, clearly they could see it. But it wasn't done for them. Uh, it was done because, you know, so many of us and, and, and Eric just loved it and, and enjoyed doing it. But it's why we never thought twice about it, because we always wanted to make sure that, hey, it's got to be it's got to be a really fun comedy show as well. So to just try to keep all those things moving. We'd always, you know, talk about Ghostbusters because we like that. Half our audience probably hasn't even seen it. But the idea that you had a big marshmallow man as the villain. <laughs> yeah. So it was like the reminder to us, like, don't get so caught up in the science fiction. Remember, you got to have that big, dumb marshmallow. Like, uh, don't forget that that's also, <laughs> you know, what made that so fun. That's for next season. It's big, dumb marshmallow villain of the week. <laughs> BDM. <laughs> I've got a BDM Hashtag situation on our hands. No, but it's just so great. There's so many good references. Like you mentioned, like you got your Ghostbusters references in there. Because I know that's a really, really big thing for you guys. Like Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters is great. So it's like, there it is, there it is, there it is. I think that's one of the things that was so cool about this show in particular, though, is that us coming into it and I think that you guys like the creative team working on it too there was such a wide just like encyclopedia of things that you could pull from and pulling the best elements out of all of those and putting it to one show is just so epic it's huge it's so cool <laughs> it's and then crazy. just like little nuggets as well that only like a very small sector of people would get and it's like when you get it then you're like okay yeah i'm i'm, I'm, in, I'm in the cool kids <laughs> it, it was about making sure to pull the feelings of that stuff and not just the stuff because if yeah. we're just throwing in the imagery then it'd be just more like nostalgia factor but yeah. if it was like oh we it feels good in this moment to have them come together and it's one big thing they're blasting and we know oh that's a Ghostbusters homage but it's also what the story needs it's what that moment feels like it's why we like that in Ghostbusters yeah. and that's mm -hmm. the big distinction everybody being enough of a of a detail nerd to deconstruct and say well why are we doing this or you know it would feel good is how we felt in that other thing we love let's lift that feeling and so we never felt cheap when we were doing obvious mm -hmm. references too because we thought yeah like when somebody go you know they thought they caught us and they'd be like that's a shot out of ghostbusters and we're like yeah yes yes we own that and then then was just amazing at telling like a solid story and then having fun with all those little things, like weaving them in and out through that entire episode. You know, because most of the time, I think it's easy to say like, I wanna do something like this. And you literally try to go down that path. But Dan, the way you were able to kind of like play with putting a good story together and then having fun with going in and out with all those references and, and they just fit perfectly for the show. That is very kind of you. It's really hard to do. It's easier to edit than to create something from whole cloth. And that's why the team was so amazing. So many writers put up so many ideas and added so many things. And those things ultimately got massaged and changed in the process. And that was really difficult. It was so scary going in and not really knowing what the story was. But at some point, you all find it. And then once yeah. you find it and are faithful to it, 
and then you start to work with the actors and everybody and they they fill in the blanks and you feel that it's working then it's just about supporting all those little moments throughout you know setting up Mitch in the beginning paying him off in the end stuff like that and then you can kind of have fun and you can see more clearly as to what kind of details to use and then that's what's great about this team because man like they brought so many ideas so it was usually less about us coming up with all these solutions and more about us just reacting to stuff that they were laying down you know so yeah that's why we gush about this show endlessly is because of the collaborative effort it was so it made it very much easier to be able to see this big picture that you're complimenting when so many people are providing such rich material to play with as opposed to if we were just sitting there from scratch trying to make it up out of thin air you know I have as a you, question. As you were, oh, sorry, as you were sharing that, I don't mean to cut you off, Eric. No, not at all. Go ahead. I was just going to say a big shout out to Lisa Woods, who was our producer on the show. Who yeah. Was had gone to bat for us many times. To, many times. Uh, get us the schedule we needed to allow for those type of creative collaborations to happen. Normally on a television series, it's like, here's a script, go board it. And it's like thumbnail all the way into animatic. And then you're just like, oh, wow, story problems. Oh my gosh, like, what are we going to do? Let's (laughs) redo it in two weeks, you know? And and just like on a show of this scale with this complexity, you know, we had a little bit more wiggle room in our schedule so that if a script came in and there needed to be adjustments and, and make that happen through the board before we even got into editorial, our boards were built on a solid foundation because the script was adjusted. We collaborated on that. We collaborated on the thumbnails all the way through and we got into editorial. And then our first pass was in the first animatic build was a really solid presentation where now we were just like, oh, this is too much. Let's pull this back. Oh, this is is really funny. Let's boost this. And we were then in our animatic process, we weren't redoing acts we were just focusing on polishing and making things much more whatever it is that it needed to be for the for the executive review and that made a yeah. huge difference so big shout out to the production team to like allow us the freedom to do that i'm really hoping lisa will come speak soon i know she's planning on being on at least one of the podcasts because she is such an instrumental part of making this insanity work i have a question since uh since we got these guys here Ricardo, what was one of your favorite scenes in that uh, episode we just watched? Ooh, man, that's a tough one. I really like just being in the the party scene. That party yeah. scene was a lot of fun just because of all the elements that was going on. And, you know, just Mitch and the Bud's hat just slowly kind of <laughs> like more and more people have it every time. <laughs> and then especially I love the dance scene that Bergie does. <laughs> yeah. Just watching that was so much fun, but. When I remember recording in the in this in the booth, and you only know so much about what's going on. Oh, you can just so describe it the, to a certain extent. Oh, well, you guys are in a party. You know, speak a little louder because everyone's talking and stuff like that. Right. But then yeah. when you see it finally, you know, you know, put the animatic and stuff. It's so cool. It's so awesome. That's right. There was a lot of that. Like you have to be uh, above the music. Yeah, yeah. like it's loud in here. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Those are, those are the little things that we're responsible for, the making sure that, like, because it's in our head, so we got to constantly be like, oh, right, it's going to be super noisy in here, so we got to make sure that these guys are talking like it's a lot of noise. Going and right. also, it looks simple, but Ricardo's performance sells the whole thing because he's the last to see what's wrong, but it's so obvious to the audience and it's so obvious to Miko, but you totally believe it because 
he wants to believe that Mitch heard what he said and the things he's specifically seeing, he's rationalizing. And then when he starts to turn and finally lose it, it's so great. And so, you know, you're the barometer for that. And it it's, looks really effortless, but it takes a lot of concentration to make each line a moment that slowly builds until finally he's like, oh, fun. You know, it's, it's all falling apart and I'm in a horror movie. You know, yeah. Miko was right, you know, it's so fun. How about you, uh, Luke? Mine, I think mine was being completely selfish, um, the Mitch FTW stuff, because it was <laughs> so far from anything that we had recorded up until that date. So it was a nice kind of departure, but also just another element to, to Mitch Williams, who's this uh, incredibly complex guy, but is always so truthful about who he is. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Jules, you're up. So I'm cheating because it's two. One is cheating because it's technically not in there anymore, but it was the fake Miko's head squish in the door. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the actual one that was in there was, because we kept cracking up when we saw it, was the part where Five is talking to fake Mitch at the very end. And he does that little, like, don't you look this one better? And he's dancing at him. <laughs> yeah, the, the, yeah. The you like me thrust. better, don't you? Yeah, because we were so, we were cracking up so hard at that, so... <laughs> It's a lot. It's a lot more of the art side stuff. So that, that's kind of where my brain was at. But no, those moments are funny. So uh, how about Angela? Oh man, I was thinking about this. So I'm like, I know he's gonna come to me. So <laughs> so just the the entire dance sequence because so much information has to be conveyed in a very short amount of time. And like you guys were saying, you have to track everybody's emotion, and you're not just tracking the text. You're tracking the subtext of like. Zara's feelings for five. Five thinking this is a great party. Miko being really upset. Bergie being happy to be there, but also sad because he can't dance. But then meanwhile, you know, you know, Nix is like, but I really want this sandwich. And Mitch is like, how can I get everyone to wear a hat? And there's so many things and you're, you're never confused. You never feel rushed. Everything just flows. And just like Jules was saying, just from an art and like a storyboard standpoint, that's really hard. That's a really hard sequence to figure out. So just to be able to just do that one scene and have it work without, I can only imagine like, was it Ben or was it uh, Sheldon or was it like, like who, whoever boarded that scene just going, okay. Okay, I have to track <laughs> yeah. here and then here, but then here, but then here, but then well, also here, you know? I could shed some light on that. As we got into this episode and we got into the thumbnails, like one of the things that I did with the board team was I sat down, since Sheldon was in another country, we video conferenced him in and we had in our conference room, we had big white, like kind of white walls that you could draw on with uh, dry erase markers. So I gotten together with Michael Fong and Sheldon Bella and we plotted out, like we basically drew a giant map took a photograph of it, like, so I could send wow. it to them. We drew a giant map of the entire party area that takes place in the main hub of the Glitch Tech's HQ. And we plotted out, okay, this is where the sandwich station is. This is where the hot meat station is. This is where the punch bowl is. This is where, like, Miko and Five have their, you know, exchange about that causes their argument. And then this is where, like, Zara walks from here to here and right. does the dance here. This is where the dance floor is, the DJ booth. We basically schematicked out the entire room so that we knew where everything would be so that everyone's on the same page and tracking the shots, 
tracking the crowd, tracking uh, the continuity throughout each of the sequences, that was a challenge that we just had to make sure that we were following each of the boards. So the screen direction hooked up, the characters hooked up, dancing hooked up. Not a lot of people think about all that, but to make yeah. it feel that seamless, it was a lot of checks, balances, and, you know, coordination to make sure all that flow together and work together seamlessly. You are a showrunner's like dream director, dude. <laughs> yeah. Just so you know, man, seriously, I've worked with many directors, man, but I love how organized and responsible you always were with your scripts and the respect that you gave your crew, man. So I definitely want to work with you some more, Phil. You're amazing. Oh, yeah, the, anno the annotations alone are so clear, organized, always so many questions. And because mm -hmm. if, if Phil could understand it, then his team could understand it. And if for some reason they couldn't, he can fill in the blanks. And, and then same thing, that specificity in the editing, it just, it made things so much better for all of us, you know, and it taught me what information to convey. And like over time, I think the details and scripts got better because I got a better understanding of what was needed. And then what things weren't in the script, I knew was prepared to talk about more. We just all learned so much. But yeah, I mean, it's information-based, right? You've got to be people who aren't afraid to ask and who know that everyone just needs as much information as they can handle because it saves like, trouble later you know oh yeah I mean, with a show like this like every show that we approached my thought process was if we were shooting this in live action yep and we were going to combine live action with anime and yeah. animation like funny cartoon animation our foundation is going to be the planning and the thoroughness of live action yeah. we got to figure yeah. everything out first and then once we have that baseline set where everything is, where all the characters might be, then it's so much easier to layer on top all of the tropes that people want to put in, the comedy tropes or the anime tropes or just the, the fun storytelling. The board artists are then free to be creative. They've got all the information they need and they can feel confident to go forward and just be, just go wild. You know, and that, that was the beauty of like, not only schedule, but also the preparation, the amount of preparation that we all had I mean, especially the launches, when the storyboard launches would happen, uh, talking with Eric and Dan, we would throw out ideas. We'd pitch, like, did you guys think, think about it this way? Or like, you know, would you like to see this happen? And then we would try and cover out, cover all the bases in the design launch as well, which would, that was another layer of complexity yeah. <laughs> that was figured out. So we had a design launch and a storyboard launch, which was super, super helpful to really get everyone's heads around how the episode needed to come together. And then when we actually sat down to do it, a lot of the variables and unknowns were already taken care of and everyone felt confident to just go bananas. Especially since it's an original world. So, you know, at this point, if you're gonna go do a, a voice or a board on a Star Wars show, you probably have an idea like, oh, am I a bounty hunter or am I a Jedi or, you know, whereas here it's like, what's a glitch tech? What's a hub? what's the, you know, like, what's going on here? It's yeah, insane. Yeah. And then we would say, well, it's like, you know, you're basically, you're this cop or, or, you know, like we would create situations that were familiar, but we were kind of building our own universe too. But that kind of love of live action or of just like the cinematic in general was helpful for everybody. And that's how the, we were in the voice booth. I know that our sound supervisors, whose job it is to make sure we're moving on schedule would sometimes say, 
do your sessions have to be so long? Can you cut it down? Do you have to explain so much? Can't everyone just come in and read the lines and leave? And it's like, well, no, we need to talk through this because it's important we know where we are and exactly physically what's happening and all that. Angela, I think I'm going to summarize this to say that making cartoons is very hard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just in so, case anyone's thinking at home, oh, I just pushed the animate button and it's done. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there are some that, that do think that that's, that's what folks do. That you just, you know. reason why this podcast exists to dispel that myth today. That the, yes. That is not how that goes I, at it, all. And actually, this is kind of a segue, but Luke, I wanted to ask you, because mm-hmm. every new person we've had on the show, we've had a chance to ask them, how they got involved and whatnot. And Eric and Dan have mentioned how you got involved and also that originally Mitch was a very different character. So I was wondering if you could tell a little bit about when you came in to audition and what that was like. I think I originally, I don't know if I submitted an audition from home, but I think I was reading for Bit and who Dan plays. And, And then my agent had like sent me Insides for Mitch and stuff, and I was just like, okay, we'll um, we'll just go in and we'll we'll do something. And because I'm British originally, like I grew up in London and everything, I think he has. I, I didn't. I just felt like there was a certain essence. I walked in the room and I was kind of like chatting to everyone a little bit, and I think Eric might have said, "So you're gonna do it like that?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, 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 yeah. We'll we'll, we'll do it like this first, and then we'll we'll see." And and so I just went into the room, did my thing. And I was okay with what I did. And maybe, I don't know if I've shared this with you two, but it's always a thing. And I, I'm sure Ricardo feels the same way unless he nails every single audition he goes into. <laughs> but when you leave, you, you're just like, oh, I wish I would have done it like this. Or I, you know, I, totally. on, on that word. And in that moment, we, yeah, I just wish I, I had done that. And the imagery that I saw for Mitch as well, he was a white character originally. Yeah, yeah. And, So I was just like, okay, well, this is the first time that I'm going to get to play a white person. And (laughs) so I was like, you know, it's it's just part of the job. It it happens. And so then as it developed, I was so astounded and happy that I'm now part of the show where Mitch is, is Black and our three leads are people of color. And it's just, it was so astounding because that's not what the show is about in terms of it being sold that way, it's being drawn attention, like, this is a POC show. It's like, no, we're like real people who are existing in this space together and tackling real life things here. Even though it's in this fantastical world and stuff, like that wasn't the conversation, but it just made it feel so much more real to all of us. And yeah, I just really appreciate you, Dan and Eric, for making that creative choice we, we and were, i felt very seen no we were looking for humans man good humans that's all that matters right and it's like you guys brought this amazing purity i think to all the characters that just made it so much easier for dan and i to just be like yeah of course when you did your thing i remember being in my office and dan and i were talking 
And we were like, oh, screw that, dude. We're making him look exactly like, like <laughs> yeah. Luke. Like, and this guy's awesome. didn't have blonde hair at the time. And <laughs> I remember uh, even discussing that. So are we going to change the hair color? I'm like, no, man. He's going to have white hair, dude. It's going <laughs> to yeah. be awesome. It's going to look great. It's going to have blonde <laughs> hair or whatever. And he's going to look great because that dude has style. Like you, meaning <laughs> that guy, meaning you. Like that dude has style. Yeah. This dude has character. I want him to be the character, right? <laughs> yeah, you want everyone to be am amused because at best we were going to do something that would have been done on some level and to have someone walk in all of you came and brought something unique and it's like yes this is what we can rise to meet and then you even sense like oh this relationship will surprise us and we'll just figure out who this character is together and it is a tandem performance between all of us you know and it was like a no-brainer to be open to that. But I will say, and I think I've said this before, that the first reaction I had was, he's too good. We need to make, because this character is going to be such a, like, pardon my, well, you're going to have to do the loop, put a little bit on that. <laughs> this character is going to be so insufferable. We should just create another role for him. And then I think it was on the walk back from the audition to Eric's office. This might've even just been in my head. Where's like, well, no, what am I saying? We'll just change, we'll just change the character. <laughs> we don't have to create another role. We'll just change this guy. Because uh -huh. why have somebody who's one-dimensional when you can have, you know, three and beyond? And it was a no-brainer. I mean, I remember our, yeah, just being so all in. It wasn't a discussion of should we or, you know. I will say there was another actor who also wrote uh, one of our episodes who did an amazing performance and was also very unique that we talked about, you know, we had the luxury of working with some great people, but you just get that feeling in your belly and you know it's yeah. right. And what was great about working with Eric too is we had each other to yeah. check and when our guts were aligned, that meant a lot. So yeah, anyway, all this to say we're, we're so grateful because it's what makes the show so special. But you're right, no, it was never sold that way. It was yeah. just a concept about these action hero kids and and everyone would just you know it was never discussed in a great way everyone just said we love these characters yeah, and yeah. love how they're growing and that was it ricardo was the same way man he was like the little brother i never had man so i was <laughs> like i just love this kid man like this kid's, he's got the voice do you remember dan when we were like listening and then uh because i had ricardo come back right and uh, i think I, I talked about this before but do you remember reviewing those in my office? I don't yes. know if you remember that. And then I was like, this guy, just listen to this guy, man. And then, you know, you, it took you a minute and then you're like, oh yeah, yeah, man. Because he's a like, real person. And that's yeah. another role that could have been very stiff otherwise, or could have been like, Mika, we can't do that. You know, like <laughs> but we, we really wanted the characters to be bigger than life. You know, animation promises you big characterizations, but we also needed them to be real people that you would accept in a in a one hour live action show or something and so that was the magic spot everyone really hit and it inspired everybody I, I like I remember that was my first animation audition ever I had never done animation before or right. had an audition for it for that matter and I was just like oh, okay well I'm gonna do it and let's just see what happens and then I just was myself you know and I think yep. that ends up happening at least for me personally, I'm sure for a lot of other people too, but when you go in for any audition, whether it's animation, 
or live action and you just yourself and that's the most realistic performance that you can give because you're just being yourself right yeah and yeah. so it just happened to fit with the character and and then you know I'm, I'm myself when i'm recording for high five but it's also like since you're in the end this fantastic world like you can be more creative and and just you know do a little more you know so it was definitely a lot of fun i really enjoyed it yeah your, your energy was always great man you'd come in and hype hype yourself hype us up man <laughs> <laughs> behind that mic you know it's just always great man. he'd be tired coming from his live action show <laughs> but just come like with all this energy for us it was amazing and everybody got along so well in the booth there's one thing i would like to point out about this episode something that i think even veteran animation people on the show didn't quite know as much about until this episode but enough cannot be said about the composite process this episode at one point was looking like it might be one of the weakest in terms of some of the, the backgrounds and animation that was coming in. And that is not a slam on the animators whatsoever. This was, as I said, this show was reaching a point of exhaustion. And suddenly we were asking them to do crowd scenes and, you know, it was very demanding. But the result was they were pulling it off, but some things were looking a little bit flat in the backgrounds and Everybody was getting a little worried, like, oh, maybe maybe this one, we, we're going to show some compromise. But Tomas, I forget yeah. his last name. I'm so sorry, but I'll put it in the show notes. Tomas Alisson. Oh, gosh, I got to look it up. He was at Studio 100. Studio 100 in Paris, yeah. He single-handedly did the composition on, like, the first 10 shows of, of Glitch Text. And we'll have to show a before-after video, but the lighting, the focal length, the way this person would play with those backgrounds to create depth and color and, and assist the look of the show. When we did a comparison, I mean, again, even the pros who'd been in animation for 20 years were like, oh my God, look what this guy did. And to compare them is really amazing and can shed light on what an art that is, to take the elements and help put them together in a way that makes them very cinematic and raised our production value so much. So we'll have to provide a clip of that so you can see. So I didn't want to go without mentioning Tomas, whose last name will remain a temporary mystery. <laughs> we will include him. He will not be a mystery for now. Okay. Yes, by the time this episode goes out, everyone will know Tomas's name. Yes, we had to unpack and learn what he'd done. And he was sweet enough to help us a little bit so that we could then carry that over to Top Draw as they took on additional episodes. We had to all unpack and learn, you know, how to continue on what he had been doing when we were forced to, to move to it, uh, another studio. Was that something that was unique to him or is it just a particular, I don't even know what language he, to use. He's, yeah, he's a compositor. So like that's his art, right? Is mm -hmm. to take a scene and find a way to kind of really enhance the colors, really mm -hmm. enhance the lighting, really blur certain areas so yeah. your focus is very specific to your characters he's just amazing i would say that it is probably a standard description of what the job entails but the reactions of people around me who like i say had been on like avatar and Korra, their reaction was we've not seen it done quite like this that he in particular was very much an artisan in the way he would approach and he would do very unusual things like without it really asking anybody, he would change slightly <laughs> composition and things to hide flaws and accentuate mm. what he felt was good for the scene. And 
again, it was such done with such a deft hand that folks didn't even really notice at first until we started comparing. So I think it was an example of somebody who's like pretty signature in his field. So that's why it's also really just worth talking about in general. He made something very, you know, noticeable, a very noticeable difference. Very this cool. was supposed to be a bottle show. This was supposed no, to be a, a simple show. <laughs> oh, guys, it's just going to be a bunch of talking heads in headquarters. This was going to be the one where we relaxed a little bit, right? We always say that. And then the one before it, Alpha Leader, it's like, oh, this will just be kind of a fun one in an abandoned amusement park with like a four on four glitch fight. You know, and, then, and then this one suddenly it's like we have crowds and tentacles. And oh, don't worry, you'll never see the monster. You're just going to see the tentacles come in. No problem. <laughs> I remember oh uh, Marie Ev was, was it Marie? It was either Marie Ev or Adam with mentioning uh, Alpha Leader. They were saying that originally it was going to be like, a full amusement park filled with people. And then I think they said at one point, it was also gonna be in like the winter time. There were going to be just all these different elements. They decided, or we could just do this. Let's just have it be abandoned. Just abandoned Scooby-Doo style. It's, don't have to it's worry the, about it. It's the nightmare scenario of trying to be, trying to be interesting, but also trying to be economical. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> it's like getting, it's, it's getting the dreaded, they fight sentence. And then oh going, gosh, yeah. And it's, it's like, okay, well. Yeah. It's kind of like the curse, right? Like we all want to make something. We genuinely wanted to make something simple, right? But then somebody does something kick-ass and then everybody's like, oh, I got to do something like really good. And then everybody wants to just keep up, you know, you know leveling up their talent, right? And, I think and there was a lot to prove in the first 15. And every time Eric or I or, or Ann Graham or someone would try to hold back, someone somewhere would break, you know, and maybe it was our designer or maybe it was a board artist. Somebody like would just burst forth with something really amazing. And then we just all go nuts and be like, oh, we have to do it. But we got much more efficient as we went on and even in our unproduced boards where I believe the quality of the show is exactly the same, but we were a little more surgical about when and where to put these efforts. And, you know, so we, we learned, you know, but Eric was always quick to say, look, this is our shot. We only get one shot and we don't know how many episodes we're ultimately going to get. And we're all fired up. We're going to just shoot for the moon and do our best with respect and responsibility to our crew. But again, even when we would sometimes go easy on them, we'd be like, look, you don't need to animate the sequence. Just board the key poses. Just you know, let us know the geography. And then you'd get back something insane because, yeah. because they'd be like, oh, you know, I just uh, was getting really funny. <laughs> you just get into it. Um, Thanks, we... Jules. Thanks, Jules. Thanks. Appreciate that one. Uh... Okay. Hey, to be fair, this show is not my fault because I was revisions. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah, so... But you would sneak a lot of stuff in there, man. That would just like all of a sudden, like a regular scene would turn into like a kick ass scene. Well, maybe know, they so... could be playing cards here. Maybe we could be, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. details, layers get added. Yeah. Yeah. Adds flavor. It adds flavor in acting. So, no, but it's great. I think what I love about it too is just you guys are just so generous too with your credits, you know, because you hear about shows where the creator's like, it is me, it is all me, it is all my vision. And this show is definitely, Eric and Dad, this show is definitely you guys' vision. But on every single episode of the podcast, you're always so quick to say, but let's give props to the animation team and the design team and the production team and the animatic team and the voice acting and post-production. 
And that's so great to hear because a lot of shows sadly just don't do that. And I feel like that's the reason or one of the many reasons why the show is so cohesive still is because of that. You foster that from the top down and it really makes a difference. I hope it makes a difference to people listening because when someone takes full credit for something or there's this idea of an auteur, I immediately think no matter how talented they are, I'm going to be like, oh, this is going to be boring. Uh, You know, like (laughs) what I want is a really rich thing. My generation loved Star Wars and everything I ever read about it was how all the people at Industrial Light and Magic and all the separate artists and people who were innovating are what brought that world to life, even though one person had these insane ideas and ultimately had to filter it. But, you know, I knew growing up that one person didn't create that universe. And what I wanted to do when I grew up was not be the center of a universe we make. I just wanted that experience. I want to meet artisans and craftsmen. It was like the first conversation Eric and I had was, We have to put a show together so we can meet and work with amazing people who are better than us at so many things and we can like learn and we can, you know, watch them do what they do. So I think that's what people should be hungry for. Don't set out to prove all the amazing things you can do. That would be really dull. Go and, and seek a community and help give everyone a, a platform and then just get up there and be open to the process. That's very true. That is very true. And so I just have to say again, you guys are awesome. It's always great to have you guys on the show. You guys make my job easy. All I have to do is just <laughs> sit back and then y'all just talk about the show and it's wonderful and it's great. So well, we're now, so thankful you bring us together. Yes, yeah, thank, you, Angela. Angela. thank you, Angela. Yeah, so glad nice. to do it. So now one of my favorite moments of the show is for you guys to be able to share what you're working on. So we'll start with Zara and Phil first. They had to duck out because they had to go to a meeting, but we thank them very much for being able to be here. So you can find Zara on Twitter. She's at Zara Fazell and it's Z-E-H-R-A-F-A-Z-A-L and same as on Instagram. And that will be in the show notes for Phil. He is Philip dot j dot alora and that's philip with one l and alora with two l's and then on twitter you can find him over at at alora philip and his name will also be in the show notes and they're always both of them are super talented they're always working on really cool things so yeah follow them because you'll get to see the multiple shows that they are working on and all their future stuff so that's very cool and then eric I'll go ahead and uh, kick the ball over to you. Where can people find you and what are you currently working on? Uh, you can find me on Instagram under Robles. That's four R's, O-B-L-E-S. And you can find me on Twitter at Legit Eric Robles. I could thank Dan for that uh, <laughs> handle. Uh, <laughs> and Facebook, I'll make an appearance here and there uh, under Eric Robles. And I'm currently developing a couple of projects, two of them with my old buddy, Mr. Milano over here. (laughs) Very cool. And Dan, where can people find you? And then tell us what you're working on. I'm at Dan Milano on Twitter. Eric and I have a few things we are cooking up. And then my primary project that I believe is about to have its start date in another week or so is Wings of Fire. This is an adaptation of the book series by Tui Sutherland. 
And I'm really excited about that. That is going to be for Warner Brothers with Ava DuVernay producing. I'm so excited. Yes, very excited. Those are excellent books. I got to watch the uh, Tucson Festival of Books with Tui Sutherland the other day and very stoked to see all that coming to life. She's very, amazing. Very cool. Yeah. Talk about Amuse. That yeah. project is going to be a lot of fun. She's also really open and cool and just wants to play. She gave you and Krista a shout out. She's like, we have these really cool showrunners. Y'all will love them. They're great. And I'm like, that's, that's cool. Yeah, right. She's Yay. the best. She's the best. <laughs> Yeah, then over to you, Ricardo. Where can people find you and what are you working on? So um, everyone can find me on Instagram at Ricardo. And I actually have my new Netflix show coming out this Friday on Netflix called Country Comfort. And actually, one of my castmates is Janet Varney from The Legend of Korra, which is cool. Cool. um, Awesome. It's just a fun show. So I'm really excited for everyone to see that. It's a very musical show. And yeah, check it out. Can you give us a sample of the voice you're doing there? <laughs> it's just my voice, man. <laughs> is, it, is it there a little twang to it? I thought I heard a little twang. Oh, yeah, I mean, there's a little bit of a twang. Ah, yeah, yes, sir. Oh, yeah, there you go. There, there, that's that's what we want to hear. That's what we're here. <laughs> and then over to you, Luke. Where can people find you, and what are you currently working on? Instagram is my my platform of choice <laughs> and you can find me at Luke underscore Youngblood. I don't really use Twitter that often but it's the same Luke underscore Youngblood. And I am currently working on the new series of Baby Shark. Oh, it's All right. And we are going to, I think our first episode drops next week, Friday. So um, yeah, I'll be doing press and stuff this week and that'll be on Nickelodeon as well. So yeah, that's what I'm working on. Another show called Do Ray and Me, which is for Amazon. And that will be, I think, coming out in the next few months as well. So it's, yeah, just lots of fun times and very musical as well. So I feel like Ricardo and, Ricardo and I kind of like ride in the same wave. <laughs> I've really, we, we wanted to do a musical Glitch Text episode. I hope we get to do that one day. Yes, fingers crossed. It'll be so fun. <laughs> Could be like Buffy, once more with feeling. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, and listeners out there too. Steve Eats, who is another Glitch Text alumni, is also on Baby Shark. So make sure to oh, check cool. that out. You can check out, uh, you can see Luke's name and you can see Steve's name in the credits. So it's very cool. And then Jules, where can people find you and what are you working on? I'm usually lurking around Twitter, just posting art and dumb things. It's, un- okay, so don't make fun of it because it's like an old school way of doing names where it's like, lowercase x underscore capital w wolfsteak <laughs> underscore lowercase x because wolfsteak was taken so you know but so, right so, now so, so basically you don't want people to find you a little x's are legit gamer just, cred just type in type in jules bridgers and you'll see like a wolf head with like pink in the ears and mouth and stuff <laughs> but right now i'm currently working on Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur for Disney TV. Yes. It's a lot of fun. Really excited. Can't say a lot about it yet, but when they're, when uh, the mouse lets me, I will. Um, <laughs> and kind of putting my fingers in other projects here and there that I also can't talk about. So <laughs> Animation takes a long time. Yeah, it's, I love that's, it. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's not as cool as, uh, as, as doing 
as doing voices sometimes where at least you guys can get revealed a bit earlier is like a good chunk of time it's like here's the main cast and it's like oh we can't say anything yet so well, yeah these these guys couldn't say anything for what two two yeah, years guys so or three? Yeah. <laughs> on glitch the, the most the most that y'all did was the secret little pictures of like wearing my hanobi hat or like i'm recording it nickelodeon the day i don't know what for just <laughs> <laughs> i know we tried so hard to like get the word out under the wire it's like we're here to do a thing and you'll see it in in two years yeah i know i know that feeling it's like people ask you like oh when's your episode premiering it's like sometime in october Mm-hmm. maybe <laughs> you can see it then <laughs> i think moon girl and devil dinosaur also animated in large part by flying bark studios that did, worked on rise of the mutant ninja turtles and did the first few episodes of glitch text mm-hmm. awesome see it's just one big circle yeah it is one big circle Small it's like town. rock and roll rock and roll high school so just be cool to everybody because you will see everyone always yep. for your entire career so just just be cool be chill <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but again, all of you are wonderful. Thank you so much. I know you have your choice of activities to participate in and so glad that you chose to be on Zoom and talk about Buds. It's a great episode. So thanks again, you guys. Awesome. Thank you, Angela. Yay, thank you. Love you all, friends. Thank you. Contained. <laughs>